When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Right, what is up, everyone? It is the cheat sheet, the fourth one. We made it to number four. I didn't give up, not yet. This weird little experiment I'm trying with, with numbers. And tonight, I want to talk about manager of the year and what do the stats say? What do those stats say about the current crop of managers? Right now, this year, we have Tom Dagnino. We got Kaiser, Roxy, Grace, and Ken for corruption. There's my dog right on cue every time without fail. Every time without fail. Uh, continue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. You sure? Okay. All right. Okay, I think... Uh-huh. Keep going. Come on. One more. Good dog. Damn it! <laughs> uh, okay, so, yeah, like I said, we got Tom Dagnino, Kaiser, Roxy, Grayson Ken, Robert Meyer Burnett, and Jay Washington. Yes, he's still around. And... This debate has kind of started up a little bit more given the fact that I think Roxy with the odd couple, you know, they had beat the Shire Wolves and that and that obviously is a big feather in her cap to defeat the undefeated, right? To dethrone one of the greatest teams of all time, if not the greatest team of all time. They did it. Jeff Snyder and Mark Andraco. And what's interesting when you listen to Mark Andraco and Jeff Snyder about Roxy is you kind of hear the same things that Rachel and Clark were saying about Emma Five last year. And you hear 
you hear from Mark Andreco as well back then and now with Roxy. So the fact that Mark Andreco is saying this pretty much the same thing about Roxy as he was saying against Emma, I think really goes to show how invested Roxy is in her players. And I think that counts for a lot. And I think we saw how much it counts for in New York a couple weeks ago with Paul Yama versus Jeff Snyder. Everyone knows, everyone should know by this point, if you're watching this, how that went. Snyder didn't win, but he got to a place in the match that maybe he even thought he wouldn't be there. And if it wasn't for Roxy, there's no way, in my estimation, that he's able to mentally plow through this match, get through this match, and into sudden death where it was kind of a 50-50 shot if he was going to win or not. It's actually quite amazing that he made it there and given all the foul-ups and some of the interference that went on, unintentional, but it's interesting when you look at it and the type of player Jeff is, what Roxy was able to kind of do in that moment. Now I see some people out there talking about, well, why would Roxy allow Jeff to bet one with Harry Potter, not zero? Now, I could be mistaken, but I don't know personally for a fact that Roxy was the one that told Snyder to bet one in Harry Potter. I, I didn't hear that. Maybe it was said, and I just didn't catch it. I'll believe you if you tell me. I don't know that for a fact. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But I think even if she did tell him to bet one point, you know, is he going to lose? He's already going to lose kind of like a three point. There's going to be a three point gap because I think at that point, you're both, we're all fairly confident Paul is going to get this Harry Potter question and Snyder's not. But what are the odds that Snyder gets a question that he actually knows and wouldn't it be a shame to not bet anything? And instead of, you know, he could have answered it, got it right, but bet nothing. How would that even sit more with yourself if that was the case? So I don't know exactly what on in that huddle. Maybe it has been spoken about somewhere else that I just haven't heard. If you know, um, you know, let me know because I, I honestly haven't heard it. But moving on from Roxy, looking at kind of her her foe this year, her nemesis and Kaiser. This has kind of been going around. This has kind of been going back and forth all year with Kaiser and Kaiser entered the league with Kevin Smets, the smasher. And he smashed his way through the inner geekdom and got all the way to a number one contender match against Mike Kalinowski at collision. And we all know what happened. So don't tell Peter, I didn't want to do it, but he did. All right. So, then he picks up Paulo Yama about a couple matches into his rookie year. Uh, it was right before the Chance Ellison match. Kaiser picks up Oyama officially. Same thing with Zipper. You know, he had that one intergeekdom match against Adam Lavic that didn't really count. So I'm not taking into I'm not taking that into consideration. And Loose Can has become a team, and they've played one match. Now let's look at. Tom Dagnino, he's kind of been like the OG manager, right? Um, even if you go way back to 2014, he's one of you know he was in JTE's corner at the trial of JTE. If you haven't seen Trial of JTE, go watch that. It's amazing. If you haven't seen Trial of JTE in a while, go back. It's amazing. It's great. Um, 
Dagnino, you know, they had this this whole summation of events take place in Houston when Ben Bateman officially, along with Tom Dagnino, officially joined the Five Horsemen, become the Five Horsemen in Houston. It was after Bateman put a chair to Andrew Guy's back, um, and it was a just a, an absolute devastation in terms of Bateman versus Guy. That was a knockout. It was brutal. And to make matters worse for Andrew Guy, he has to see his his former teammate Ben Bateman, you know, saddle up right next to John Roca. So that happens. Okay. Um, but since that point, it has not been good for the Five Horsemen. Not at all. Um, and it's been pretty real. I'm going to get to their to their manager records in a little bit, but let me let me move on to Robert Meyer Burnett. Forms helps form the family with Andrew Guy, brings in Jeremy Queenie, who is a former team champion, and Andrew Guy, obviously, aka Legend Killer. You know he's he beat Dan Merle, uh, he beat Mark Riley. You know now he's teaming up with Drew McQueenie here, and we're gonna see what happens. You know it's very nefarious organization, if you will, between those three. And they sort of have some sort of loose affiliation with Roxy and the Odd Couple. It's a, it's a weird situation that we actually haven't revisited in quite some time. I'm curious where it stands. I mean, we had a little bit of interaction between Roxy and Robert Meyer Burnett and the whole nuke thing. Um, but outside of that, we haven't really had anything going on there. So it'll be interesting in terms of just storyline. Not really pertinent to the manager of the year discussion, but just it came up right now. Okay. Jay Washington. Hasn't really been around that much. I mean, he has Ethan Irwin and Janine, the Time Machine. The, you know, they are a team. They've played one match this year. Janine's played a couple. Ethan's played a couple thus far. So not a whole lot in his resume either. And last, or this past episode, not last week, but I guess last week, if you listen to the rundown, you know that I... I'm in favor of Roxy as manager of the year just by a hair, like very, very slim, very slim margin manager of the year. And it was because of what she was able to do with Jeff Snyder, despite it being a losing effort. Now, I understand a lot of people are not going to hold the same view as me, um, and that's fine. And I completely understand why someone's going to pick Corruption, you know, Grace and Ken or Kaiser. Definitely, definitely valid because they do have the numbers in their favor in terms of making a strong argument. Roxy and the Odd Couple, not so much. Not so much. Uh, when you look at what the Odd Couple has done together and separately, but combined, Roxy as a manager with those two, she's 5-3, and three, and, and Draco and Snyder are answering 69% of their questions. In the singles division as a team, they're answering 75%. Now, we all know Jeff, right, Jeff Snyder just lost the title match, got to a title match. Jeff Snyder has won the team titles with Andrico, so by proxy, Roxy is, is tied to that. So she has a, a title win under her belt over arguably the greatest team of all time, and then, yes, did lose it to the greatest team of all time. She got her player, Jeff Snyder, through a number one contender match. And then ultimately, you know, fell short, just short in 
the team title, or not the team, but the singles title match that just happened in New York. So it's got a couple feathers in her cap in that regard. It's it's a tough sell. It is it is a tough sell when you look at when you look at the numbers for Roxy. They're just not there yet. We're gonna see what the odd couple can do in a in a team tournament, and that could really bolster Roxy's resume. And if the odd couple can go on a deep run and make it to spectacular and win over whether it's corruption or founding fathers, uh, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be a very very hard to not have Roxy right there at the end for manager of the year. Now, I personally think if that all came to fruition, I personally think uh, favoritism will trump logic. Other managers could have the numbers in their favor, but if, and and we've seen this with other players before, and I'm not just, I'm not discounting. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying this is how it works. If someone is really beloved and they've done enough to be in the conversation, like numbers wise, I believe that like the fan, uh, the fandom around that person could propel them to a win. And I still think it would be justified, but because a lot of what Roxy has at least displayed or we've been, or, or that we've heard doesn't really you can't really check that off in a stat box you can't check it off in the in, in the scorecard it's when you listen to Snyder and Andreco praise Roxy for getting them to perform well getting, being in their corner rooting for them believing in them you know who else in the league talks about their manager like that I don't really hear Kalinowski or chance or Stacy talking like that about Grace or Ken. I don't really hear Smets or Paul or even Eric Zipper talk about Kaiser in that way. I think to varying levels, sure, but it's never... I always feel like when Snyder and and, and Draco talk about Roxy, they're not going out of their way to praise her. It's just... It's very high praise when I hear it. It's just when you see it, you know it's one of those kind of things. And so to me, as this game evolves, as the sport evolves... Sometimes I think you got to look, even <laughs> even for like a numbers guy like me with the, with the league, you know you got to look a little bit past that. I like to look at the, at the numbers when all things are equal, achievements, accomplishment, titles, whatever. If it's if a lot of, a lot of that is equal across the board, then I go to the to the numbers to kind of uh, be that tiebreaker, if you will. So as much as I I. I love keeping stats, keeping track of that, and using that using that info in in discussions and debates and what and arguments, what have you. Um, there's something to be said about the intangibles that someone like Roxy or Kaiser, you know, to varying levels, bring to their their players that they manage. And for me, thus far, I think Roxy has has stood out, and it and and it's it helps when your own players champion you as manager of the year and they're able to give the audience they're able to give us anecdotes and and little stories as to why that is you know i know with with kaiser and and speaking directly about when he wasn't able to make it to new york but i know that that kaiser was in constant communication with paul trying to get him in the right mindset and prep him and even though kaiser couldn't be there he did his best 
to stand by him metaphorically. So there, there's a lot that goes into manager managing players that we don't see. And I understand that even, I mean, sometimes I can see a little bit more, but even still, I, I have to judge a lot of it, what I see on screen. And that, and that can be difficult because I can know a lot about person A behind the scenes, but I won't know a lot about person C, even though it might be just as equal or more than person A. So it, it can be very tricky, but, and I think that's why people really, or fans really look at the win-loss records and how many towels are, hold, are held by certain players in that, in that faction or, you know, within that manager. It is interesting. Um, let me take a look at some of these comments in here just to see if yeah so Brandon says uh, it's hard to say Roxy is pretty clearly the best in-game manager but there is no denying Kaiser's impact on the league the dungeon has changed the whole landscape of the Schmodown I don't I don't know if it's changed it per se I just think it came in with such a flair. It, it, it really didn't... It, I don't know if, if change is the right word. I think they've leaned into what the Schmodown has always been. And I don't know if that necessarily constitutes as a change. It's just I think someone has caught up to what, what I think that part of the, the Schmodown world is all about with Kaiser doing his, you know, in-car videos and stuff like that, and the whole dungeon and leaning into that side of things. I think, I don't know if that's changed or revolutionized the Shmoda in any way, but certainly their impact, you're 100% correct, I, I agree, their impact is has been massive this year. And a lot of that stemmed right off the bat from Kevin Smets, where he's just annihilating people. I mean, poor Hector Navarro, former cha former Intergeekdom champion, just got demolished. Now, had Smets beat Kalinowski and had Smets had the opportunity to beat Rachel Cushing, you know, this is probably a different story. Um, we're probably not even really entertaining anybody else but Kaiser. But the fact remains, Smets lost to Kalinowski and Oyama's kind of become, for right now, the, the, the temple player of the dungeon for now. And... Now that he's played his title match, he's gonna. I think he's gonna be in entertain some of a somewhat of a teams tournament run. Maybe we'll see about that. Smets we're not gonna see for a little bit. Obviously, with him in Intergeekdom, and that's not nothing's really on the schedule thus far that's gonna indicate that he's playing anytime soon. So Kaiser's manager record sits at nine and one. Sits at nine and one. It's. Fantastic number. His only loss is the Kevin Smets loss um, to Kalinowski. We look at Kaiser Oyama, all right, 4-0 in singles because his first two matches, I'm not counting because he wasn't officially with the dungeon. So Oyama's 4-0 with Kaiser with a title uh, title match win and a title defense. You know, Kevin Smets made it all the way in Intergeekdom. Kevin is 4-1, but he made it to a a number of contenders match at collision. Eric Zipper, he's basically 1-0. I mean, if you want to count the manager bowl, I really don't count that. I, I don't really count it against anybody. So Zip, he's 1-0 in singles. That was a 
very solid win over Haley Fouch. And as teams, Loose Cannons only played one match there, 1-0, and and they answered 85% of their questions. So it's a very strong debut. And that all works in favor of Kaiser. I mean, what did I say? He's 9-1. And that's that's a ninety percent win rate. So numbers are definitely on his side. When you look down at probably their 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 rival in a sense, Kai. I mean, the dungeon is kind of has a, has a rivalry with Roxy, and then has another rivalry with Corruption that stems from Kalinowski with Smets, and then you have Kaiser versus Roxy and all that, and, and Yama with Snyder and all that. So sure, the dungeon has kind of become like the linchpin for these little rivals, these rivalries in the showdown this year, and Kaiser is in the middle of it. He's got two outstanding players in Oyama and Smets, and but Corruption has been on a tear. We all know, obviously, Mike Kalinowski has been on one of the great runs the showdown has ever seen. It, it truly does rival the run that Sam Levine went on when he won both tournaments in the same year. Um... This one, however, has resulted in two belts in one year. Levine did not earn two belts in one year. He earned just the just a singles belt and then had to win the team's belt the next year. Or was it the other way around? Either way, he uh, only could grab one belt in that great, great run he had when he won both tournaments. Mike Kalinowski has pretty much carried, I guess, I mean, it's pretty much carried the load of corruption. Um, when you look, let's see here. Kalinowski, he's 2-1 in singles, he's 3-0 in teams, and he's 2-1 in inner geekdom. When you look at Chance, he's 2-1 in singles, 3-0 uh, in teams. Stacey Howard's 1-1 in singles, and 1-0 in teams, and Tim Franco is part of that 1-0 with Crimson Fury. So, in singles, Ken and Grace, collectively, they're 5-3, and three, and their players are answering 69% of their questions, and a lot of that is, and that percentage is really, really lifted up by chance, because he's answering 84% through his three matches. So he kind of raises that accuracy level for the rest of the group, if you look at it that, that way. Kalinowski, Chance, Stacey Howard, those three combined to be 5-3. and three. It's great to be above 500. That accuracy rate, though, a little deceiving just because of chance and how dominant he's been in his play. Because Kalinowski's answering 65% in singles, and Stacy, through her two matches thus far, is answering 52%. And like I said, chance with 84 So he kind of skews that collective accuracy rate. When you look at teams, they're undefeated. Corruption's 3 0. Crimson Fury is 1-0, that's 4-0, and they're as collectively, both teams combined are answering 85% of, of their questions. So that means Corruption is 11-4, not counting the manager bowl. They are 11-4. Um, it's the second best win rate with 73% at winning 73% of their matches. Obviously, Kaiser, 9-1, 90%. So it's... It's that's right, Leo. You're right, absolutely 100. percent I forgot that Chance played an IG, so he's owned one there. So that would actually make Corruption 11 and five. That would make 11 and five. I forgot he played that one. I thought he did. Yeah. So, um, let 
which would mean that corruption is 500 in Energetum, and yet they have the belt. Uh, Mike does. So, and, and corruption has a team belt. So, look, they got two belts. They lost one, then went it back to Intergeekdom. They won, they beat arguably the greatest team of all time in the Shire Wolves to earn that, that team belt. So they got a lot of uh, accolades thus far this year, and they have an amazing faction record, a manager record, with 11-5. and five. And then, really, the next best record is Roxy. She's 5-3 and three with the Odd Couple um, teams and singles combined. It's and then after that you have Robert Meyer Burnett, Jay Washington. Uh, Robert Meyer Burnett, his boys are three and two combined between singles and teams. Jay Washington between singles and teams with Ethan Irwin and Janine, they are three and four, so that's under five hundred. Doesn't do you any favors. And now I have to get to Mr. Gucci, Bob Finstock. Look, I didn't. I knew that he was having a rough year. I did not really know what his numbers looked like. And I wasn't really keeping track of his win-loss record. And that's because there wasn't really much to keep track of in the win department. Since Dagnino has joined the Five Horsemen, they have only had two wins. Two wins. They're 0-3 in team play. If you count Bateman, well, Dagnino is 0-3. I guess, do you count the Bateman-Dagnino duo as a loss? Um, so he would be 0-3 because who's the boss lost against the Odd Couple? Founding Fathers lost against Corruption. And then Bateman-Dagnino lost against the family. 0-3 there. You look at singles, Riley's only... Has one win. Ben Bateman only has one win. And Merle hasn't had a win because when he when he joined up with Dagnino, he was a singles title holder, plays Paulo Yamo, loses it. So he's 0-1 with Dagnino. So Dagnino's singles player's record combined is 2-4. And, and they're answering collectively 74% of their points and that's not that bad it's right up there with with the top two um performing or the number one performing singles manager ma managing with paul because he elevates kaiser's record uh percentage to 76 percent and dagnino and his guys are at 74 percent teams it's just rough that is very, very rough. Um, the play, though, isn't as bad. There, I think they just really are getting kind of some bad breaks there. But 0-3 um, in teams, and teams collectively answering 75%. So it's not like it's horrible. It's not like it's the greatest thing. Um, very, it's, it's very solid. Very solid performances. They're just not getting the job done. And when, when you have three potentially four hall of famers 
and you're two and four in singles, you're 0 and three in teams. I mean, in that one team match, you didn't do do Ben Bateman any favor, so it's kind of unfair, but it is what it is. You got three Hall of Famers, and you have only two wins to show for it. I, I don't know that there's really any way in hell Dagnino can win Manager of the Year. He is so far in a hole. It would it. He has to have both titles in any sort of combination, whether it's Ben does it, whether Merle and Roca beat corruption, then that means they got to defend at Spectacular. Ben's probably got to win both tournaments somehow. Uh, we know Riley is not going to be going any further in singles. A first-round loss like that hurts. Um, really, his only shot at, at a belt where I think who's the boss is is going to be a favorite in the majority of the matches they play in the teams teams tournament that's they could win that tournament you know they won it before so can they do it again i i, I would have confidence in them um but again you know teams like odd couple is going to be in there there's going to be you know a plethora of other teams right so we'll have to wait and see what that looks like but I don't know any singles is such tough because Merle's done, Riley's done, Roca and Bateman are left. Roca has hasn't played as impressive in years past. Ben Bateman seems to catch these bad breaks. You talk about look at that match with Kalinowski. Um, you think he could have, you know, I thought he should have won that one, but that's not what happened. Um, what's going to happen with Ben in the tournament? I don't know, and he's and, and I would. I would argue that Ben is probably in a better form right now than Roca at the moment. But we'll have to see what Roca, Roca versus Silvestrini and Bateman versus Lishan and Miller. So that'll two wins right there will really, really help Dagnino kind of get back into the swing of things here, or get back into the thick of it, because right now, I mean, he is dead last stat-wise. Dead last. And he'd be dead last stat-wise or otherwise. In, in you know, my ballot. So um, I did put up a poll on this thing. I'm going to see if I can see what it looks like here. Uh, right now, okay, so we got 17% are voting for Kaiser, 25% are going for Grayson Ken, 0% for Dagnino, and right now 58% are voting Roxy Stryer. So uh, thanks for voting in that poll. Uh, I'll at the end of this, I'll just publish. I think I can publish these results. Okay. Uh, now, I said Roxy for was my manager of the year right now. As of today, I think I would give it to her just ever so slightly. And I know that probably sounds crazy. I know that, that if if Mike Kalinowski heard that, he would say, What more do we have to do? We have two belts. We defeated the Shire Wolves. You know, I defeated Rachel Cushing. You know? Yeah, you did, and for me, as odd as it may seem to hear, it I fully look if Roxy, if the Odd Couple did not have the team belts at one point, there's no way she'd be in the conversation. You have to have titles at some point during the season, at the very least, to to be in this conversation. Roxy has done that. Obviously, Grayson Ken with Kalinowski have done that. Kaiser has well, Kaiser has done that with Paul Oyama. 
Tom Dagnino, not really, because Merle already had the belts, had the single belt when, when they formed. You know, Robert Meyer Burnett with Andrew Guy and McQueenie, nothing. Ethan Irwin, Genie Machine, they haven't accomplished anything as a team yet. And Ethan Irwin looks off to a good start in the singles tournament. We're going to find out what Genie can do live uh, in a throwdown in a couple of weeks against Mike Kalinowski. So there's a lot that still needs to be played out for sure, but you need to have, I think you just have to have belts at one point, and it really helps if you have them at the end of the year. That's spectacular if you win them. So does it look like that's what's going to come down to? Probably, yeah. That, that's what's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to. Um, and it usually always does, and that's, that's the fun of it. I think last year we didn't really know who was going to be player of the year, I think, or, well, I think the fans had already decided who was going to be player of the year halfway through the year, which is another story. Um, but I think in terms of manager of the year, I don't know, I would, I, I think the numbers, the belts point towards corruption, right? Or the belts point towards corruption, the numbers back that up. The numbers back that up. Kaiser, he's got a kid that's undefeated. Even under him now, two matches, two matches, you know, forget those two matches that he wasn't part of. So, Paul Yama with Kaiser's 4-0. He's got the singles title belt, defended it. If Smets can get the inner geekdom belt, if he has two belts... then yeah, corruption still has a lot to lean on with the teams if they hold on to them at, well, in Orlando and then at Spectacular. See, that this is the interesting thing about corruption is it's one thing to chase after the belts. It's another thing to defend them, right? We always talk about that in this, in this, in this league. It's one thing to chase for them. It's another thing to defend them. Corruption, mainly Mike, is in a and is is now in a position where he has to hold on to them. He has to hold on to them. Because if he doesn't, you know, there are no certainties that, that Grayson Kennedy can hold on to manager of the year honors. Because if let's say loose cannons went on a crazy run, even if they didn't win the tournament, let's say they went on a crazy run, you know, that would still bring I mean Let's say they win their first match. Lose cannons. Let's say they win their first match in the tournament. They go to two and zero. Then they lose their second round match. Now they're two and one, and that means Kaiser's only nine or nine, uh, ten, ten and two. And then let's say Smets, he plays another inner geek to match, uh, number one contender match. Let's say he wins that one. That means he Kaiser's now eleven and two. And if Smets were to win at Spectacular for the belt, he's 12-2. and two, And he's got Kaiser, who has the inner geekdom belt. And then, let's say, Paul defends at Spectacular. It's 13-2. Even if he ends up, let's say, 12-3. and three, that's, that's a real strong resume. So I think in order for Kaiser to win, if we're talking about belts, if we're taking away everything else, all the feelings, all the mushy-mushy stuff, we're looking at just numbers and belts. That's what Kaiser and Paul and Smets and Zip, they got it accomplished. 
they got to have both belts by the end of Spectacular. So pretty much what it's going to come down to, I think, with the majority of fans, is whatever manager happens to have both belts at the end of Spectacular will probably win Manager of the Year, aside from Dagnino, just because of the way he started. It'll be a very, I think, it'll be a very close vote. But I can't, I don't know, man. Even if Founding Fathers beats Corruption in Orlando and defends that spectacular, certainly that helps. But you only have, and you have Roken Bateman. See, yeah, even these, these, these long runs can really help. I mean, it's almost like Roken Bateman got to get to that final. To kind of, if that could happen, and if Founding Fathers end up defending, winning, and then defending it through Spectacular, that's really the the only way I can see it. Because if Corruption would then have to hold, needs to hold on to Energy, there's so many different machinations that's got to happen. It's it's kind of confusing, actually. It's kind of confusing myself. But I think whoever. Whatever manager has two belts from two divisions with them, they're going to win manager of the year. More than likely, if it's Kaiser, if it's Corruption. You know, nothing's going to happen for Roxy in singles. It's all really up on team. So she really is kind of behind the eight ball in that sense. I think she's going to need a lot of fan love to win those honors. Otherwise... Uh, probably at the end of the year, it could be corruption. It could be Grace and Ken that 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 get those honors. But if Kaiser and those guys can do do something special, take away belts from corruption, then yeah, then that's what's going to happen there. So, but the, the other interesting thing though is we have this guy called Ethan Irwin. He's in the singles tournament. He's won he won the tournament last year. He became singles champ last year through that whole run he could do it again and now while i don't think that's going to propel jay washington to the top of manager of the year discussions um or the polls you know he at least could be in the conversation i don't think that's gonna help him win manager of the year because i don't know and then that's that's the thing right as more and more you talk about this it's like those that have chances in both tournaments, it almost feels like the previous six, seven months don't really matter that much because it's all going to come down to who has great tournament runs in singles and teams, who defends, who wins at Spectacular, who ends up with the belts. So it's kind of like the race for manager of the year starts right now. Some have a little bit more of an advantage than others due to the fact that they have the belts. But that doesn't mean that those that don't have any don't have any chance. So the more and more I'm talking about this out loud, is I think that's the more and more in the direction that I'm going. I don't know how anyone else feels about, about that. I mean, I think first half manager of the year would have to go to... I actually... Shoot, I would give it, I would give it to Kaiser. I would. He has one loss. And it was a number one contender match in Intergeekdom. So, 
I think I would give the first half. <sighs> Shit, because I did say Roxy, didn't I? <laughs> this is tough. This actually is tough. But if I was just going on numbers, numbers alone, I would give it to Kaiser. If I'm counting numbers with the intangibles, with the things that, that propel a player, things that really help a player prepare, the headspace, the preparation, once you throw all that into the mix, I don't think any other manager does what Roxy does currently. I don't see it. I don't hear about it. And it's not like I'm going to my way to hear about this stuff. I, I'm I'm only here in Chicago, so I hear what I hear just as much as you guys do. Roxy has those intangibles, and the Odd Couple is a very unlikely team, I think, that, that ended up winning the team title this year. I mean, that is an actual complete shocker to me, that the Odd Couple could not only become the team champions, but they were able to defeat the undefeated in the Shirewolves. That's that's incredible. Because I think everyone thought it was going to be who's the boss. They're going to meet right back with the Shirewolves earlier on in the year, but the Odd Couple spoiled that in Chicago, and then they ended up spoiling the Shirewolves' perfect record. So, Odd Couple's a very... Very odd team, very odd players to, to have the success that they had earlier in this year. And then you couple that again with Roxy's intangibles and, and how much Roxy, or I'm sorry, how much Snyder and, and Andrico speak highly of Roxy. I don't really hear that talk from other players about their managers. I don't. And you might think, and those other players out there who, who might be listening to this might think, well, you know, just because you don't hear about it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Very true. But if this is a public fan vote, that stuff has got to be made public for the fans to hear, for myself to hear, and for me to take that in consideration if, in fact, you think that it's something that can help you earn those honors at the end of the year. But uh, I, think I, I think I've gone on long enough about this. Um, it's, this is a very interesting race because, again, as I was just talking, to, talking out loud about this, it really seems like the race for manager of the year starts has started with the team and the singles tournaments that are going to take place. Singles are already going. Team is going to happen a little bit later. It seems like this is when the race for for that happens. And like I said, some people have an advantage, like Grace and Ken. They currently have two belts occupied by uh, Corruption and Mike Kalinowski, teams in Inner Geekdom. Kaiser's got a little bit of an advantage, having Paul holding on to the singles title. Roxy, you know... Has a tall order. I mean, they got to win the team. They got to win all the way throughout, I think, in a lot of people's minds to to earn those honors if people are not going to take into account the intangibles that you know, I've, I've already talked about. So that's going to do it for the cheat sheet number four. Uh, next week, I'm not sure what I'll talk about. I didn't really know I was going to talk about this week, but I don't know. I'm going to try and just keep... A lookout to see what's what's being talked about in the Facebook group, and then kind of bring that to here and maybe get my take on it. Who knows? 
uh, if you're watching this, whenever you're watching this, you're watching this right now. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for uh, stopping by. Thanks for listening to me blabber. Um, that's about it. That's about it. That's it. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.